Howdy folks, Ben Uyama here. Uh, we are helping you guys quit porn and masturbation for good so that you can do what? You can achieve more, you can focus on bigger things in your life and actually kick this thing to the curb for good. And today we are so honored. I'm really honored to have with us Dr. Trish Lee with us who uh, <laughs> really, um, really gets uh, what it takes to beat porn um, as a cognitive neuroscientist and a specialist in porn addiction. So how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me because um, first and foremost, my goal is to collaborate with as many people who are willing to talk about this topic with me oh, yeah. and really get to the nitty gritty, but especially to be able to give people action steps, you know, not only motivate them, but to give them real live tools to be able to put porn behind. So I'm super psyched to be able to have a conversation and be able to present that to yeah. listeners. And what I'm psyched about is there are like, there are, there, there's an army, an army in your YouTube channel of supporters that are really benefiting a lot from the way, the approach that you do about how to rewire the brain, right. And actually go from the neurochemical level. And so I'm really excited to get into that. What's, what's really funny is that we're both in the area of sexual addiction, porn addiction recovery. And we're also in the same physical area of North Carolina, right? <laughs> yeah, which is very cool. Just about 20 minutes from each other. And I yeah. uh, actually went to the university uh, that you, you taught at UNC, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carolina, yeah. Tar Heels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know after their devastating loss uh, the other night. But yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right here in North, good old North Carolina. And yep. also, I want to get into this a bit, but you're, you're a parent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have five, have five children, yep. lots of kids, <laughs> lots of kids. And I know this is a, a close conversation to your heart. I also have three kids myself. So I want to ask you personally as a parent and also sure. for people listening to this, mm-hmm. are there any, are there any practices that you do as, cause you have five teens, right? Mm-hmm. Teenagers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> are there any practices you do with your family that are unique or, or special that you feel is really beneficial to kids? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's rocket science per se, but I, I know that approaching your kids about sensitive subjects and talking with them about the difficult things that they have going on in their life requires a lot of emotional intelligence and maturity. Most people have not learned that from their parents. So like, you know, just in my own story, when I had anything going on, the message was loud and clear. You can't come to me because I won't be able to handle that. So I try to show up and to be able to handle the things that are going on with the kids. And what that does is, you know, and sometimes I just have to like, you know, breathe through it because it can be challenging to hear different things that are going on, but being able to do that, what it allows them to do is the channels for conversation have opened up. And I've been doing that for years. And I think your kids are younger than mine. Correct. Yeah. Seven, five and zero. (laughs) Yeah. So like when they're seven, five and zero, if, it's co-regulation. So to bring it back to brain performance, kids have to learn how to self-regulate themselves. So at the core of using pornography and masturbation, it's not about sex. What it's about is regulation. Mm-hmm. It's about regulating your mood, offsetting stress, offsetting these uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. That starts when kids are young. So if you can show up for them and help them co-regulate, and it's, you know, again, it's not difficult, but it's challenging to be able to do that constantly with kids. What mm-hmm. it, what it allows them to see is that you're always there for them to help them move through the difficult things. So if you do that early on, and if you open the doors for conversation around things that they're going to see on the internet that are not appropriate, 
appropriate pictures versus inappropriate pictures, then you can ward off porn use in the first place. But you have to be willing to have those conversations and to be there, help them to co-regulate. Okay, so it sounds like your approach is not about talking about porn necessarily. It's it's opening up. I've had yeah. the conversations too, but right. I've been able to have the conversations Present. fairly easily because mm-hmm. I started when they were young. And I think one good, like, you know, let's, let's give some hacks here instead of like this philosophical stuff. I, you know, I like the brain stuff, but a hack is like, for example, when Billie Eilish a few months ago, Billie Eilish came out saying that she was addicted to pornography for years right. and years through her teens. So, you know, I have an 11 year old daughter. She's my tween ager, even though she's the most mature, probably of all my kids. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I said, you know what I do for work, right? Cause she's the one I talk to the least about porn because she's the youngest. So I said, you know, you know what I do for work, right? She's like, yeah, of course. She calls me Patty. Of course, Patty. <laughs> it started a couple of years ago. I don't know. It's stuck. So I said, you know, Billie Eilish just came out and she said that she became addicted to porn and she watched it and she had depression and anxiety and it made her feel awful. Um, you know, so girls can be affected by this and young girls can be affected because she was 11 when she started. So like, and it wasn't a long conversation, but it was just another gentle reminder that, you know, you're at the age where Billie Eilish really started to get into this. And we talked a little bit more. Billie Eilish said that it destroyed her brain. She said that a reason she did it is because it made her one of the gang. You know, all kids are wanting to be one of the gang at that point. Having strength to be able to go, I'm not into that. It takes strength to say that to friends and porn's becoming so normalized now that that strength is required more. Well, here's the thing. When people hear that it's normalized, it's women are doing it, men are doing it. There's still a enormous stigma and taboo around it. Even though statistically speaking, most people we know very well watch porn mm-hmm. and masturbate. Mm-hmm. So what is going on here? Like, why is it that it's so hard for people? Right. I mean, like we talk about men mm-hmm. frequently, right. Having porn addiction, but it's very clearly a women thing too. Uh, yeah, And it's, it's a very small percentage of women right now, but it's growing on a daily yeah, basis. It is growing. Next generation sure. is going to be different than this generation. Yeah. And there, there's one word, one word there, shame. Shame. I was mm-hmm. thinking the same thing, yeah. It's shame. And Chris Rock in his new series, I don't know if you saw it, it's funny, but he's like, you know, I was addicted to porn. This is what he says. And he's yeah. like, I know what you're thinking. It's a $20 billion industry and it's just me. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, he's the only one, very well, few people. Publicly. That's what actually rubbed me the wrong ways because, you know, like Jada Smith's, uh, Will Smith's wife had... Mm-hmm admitted, I think a year ago or so about her porn addiction. And then Terry Crews, uh, WrestleBrand, all these people that come out and talk about their past porn addiction. And then all of a sudden, everybody kind of pinpoints them as like the porn addicts. And they mm-hmm. kind of label them as the strange people that had a porn addiction, Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like most people in Hollywood, statistically speaking, are also struggling, right? Oh, totally. And that's so, what I think so funny about, you know, right. Chris Rock saying, I know it's just me because I'm the only one willing it's- to admit it. <laughs> But this is a question I want to ask you, actually, mm-hmm. is I think the reason for that is that a lot of it's the shame, but also the reality is a lot of people underplay and downplay how addicted they are. Right? They might not understand, actually. And I, I think people downplay it once they know. But like. I actually think they don't totally understand yeah. Because this thing is so tricky. And this is what intrigued me and terrified me about porn. This is why I had to tell the world, because I was helping someone who I care about. 
And I saw how crazy this thing can be firsthand, like literally deep in it firsthand. So, you know, people don't know because this is the the way I kind of talk about it, that this is a transformational journey. And so it really is a transformational journey from ego, which is like a false self that is developed as a protective mechanism. And if you can take the journey, you transform out of your ego orientation, which is based in fear and taking and pleasure and pain. And you can transform yourself and become on purpose, your true self who is here to serve Mm -hmm. and to give and be connected and be part of the community, not isolating. So the problem is when you're stuck in your ego, you have no clue about what's going on with you. Your self-awareness is so low. Your understanding of your patterns and your programming and what you have going on. And I've seen this firsthand, not only with my friend, but with the people that I help. And I've seen it shift in all of these people too. So like early on, it's really hard for them to see they're actually addicted people. You know how it, it involves denial, rationalization, minimization, all of the isings, you know, rationalizing it saying, you know, it's really not that bad for me. Right. You know, Russell Brand, that guy could be addictive and not me. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you say to that when someone says, oh, it's just occasional. It's not an issue. It's healthy. Like it's what, what, would, you, what no would you ask them? Mm hmm. I just, I, I firmly believe in no, there is no such thing. It's like an occasional heroin habit Mm -hmm. because it does almost the same thing to the brain. So you can't occasionally use heroin and be okay. That's not a thing. So, and, and the reality is like getting back to the brain stuff, but also trying to keep it simple is that when you discover pornography and masturbation at a young age, we know this from the science, it plants the seeds of addiction. And it hijacks the reward center and the frontal lobe in the brain. It literally stunts the development of those brain areas. So if you continue to water the seeds of addiction, it grows. It has no choice but to grow. And even if you're watering it occasionally, you're still moving in a downward spiral, not an upward spiral. Right. Yeah, I think I want to ask you, because we're trying to get to being helpful for people watching, right? People who are addicted or on the line, like, am I addicted? You know, that's an early question people have, right? Am I addicted or not? Something that I say when people, usually in the comments of my YouTube channel or especially on TikTok, right? I know you're on TikTok too. Oh my gosh. I just got on, I just got on TikTok. A video of mine went quote unquote viral on TikTok, but not on my account on an, on this kid from Africa. I've talked to him. He put a video of me, which has like, Wow. He's, he has a few of my videos that have one has like 8 million views. One has like 5 million views. Yeah. So then I was in the midst of setting up my own TikTok account, but honestly, I can barely go on it because even when yeah. I open it, it wounds me. Yeah. No, I feel you. It's painful. But one of the, one of the questions, the most common question things that I get is, is like, bro, it's fine. Like, what are you talking about? It's natural. It's healthy masturbation porn. Mm-hmm. And, and the question I always ask people that say, it's like, oh, it's occasional. It's not affecting me is mm-hmm. if I asked you to give it up for 90 days or mm-hmm. one year, could you do it? And then what they go, they say is, well, I could, if I wanted. And I say, well, do, try it and let me know how it goes. And they say, and well, I just tell people it damages yeah. your brain. Like it literally damages your brain. Yeah. So, so does heroin. So, you know, like if you are occasionally damaging your brain, that's still not okay. You also, the, the also fact that people tend to ignore is that if you start heroin once, the chances are you're going to, it's, I mean, that's why people get addicted to heroin or smoking for that matter. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or, and or, it, it happens yeah. within two exposures. And that's why it's within so important two. to me to mm-hmm. teach people the brain science behind it. Because when I tell you, and it's true, when I tell you that the first time you consume porn and people, and people know this, they feel this too. You got that rush in your brain, in your system. That rush was dopamine flooding your system because porn is a super normal stimulus. Mm-hmm. So your brain had to calibrate because you had this big dose bigger than you're supposed to super normal. So on the second time, your brain actually needs more dopamine than the first because those levels had been adjusted. So you're already building tolerance in two exposures and that tolerance building really quick is basically the thing that creates the seeds of addiction. Yeah. And then it becomes an unhealthy maladaptive coping mechanism because it felt so good. So most people don't give it up. They don't go, wow, that was fantastic. When they're 12 years old, (laughs) that was awesome. (laughs) Life really sucks. And that was amazing. But I think I'm going to give that up. It's usually That's not opposite. what happens. That's usually when people happens. start, people are like, oh, <laughs> definitely. What, it's, what you know, doing? it's, <laughs> it's five or 10 years later when they're like, man, I've been doing this thing for five or 10 years. And, you know, I don't even like the word addiction, to be honest. Mm. Like, yeah, the, too, only, yeah. the only reason I use it is because, you know, creating urgency, not emergency, but urgency, like this mm. is a big deal, but it's really a compulsive. It's, we know it's a compulsive behavior disorder. It's mm. hypersexuality, compulsive behavior disorder. It's a compulsion, the need to go back, even though you don't, you might not even want to. It's a dependency. Right. So when someone asks you, am I addicted? What's mm. your response to that? So it's tricky. I ask people, and actually there's a quiz that has six um, questions in it. And people, I've, I've made videos on it before. People will joke, man, I've, I, I answered yes to all six And you only have to answer yes to one. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you spend your time, money, and energy on porn or masturbation? Have you ever lied about it? You know, is porn one of the main sites that you visit on the internet? Have you tried to quit or decrease it and not been able to? So in in essence, everyone has a compulsive behavior. Basically, if you watch porn, it's a compulsive behavior. And if it's a compulsive behavior... It will get worse. It will not get better. It, mm-hmm. it has no hope of getting better if you continue. What I find interesting is the the, the mainstream articles you you read. If you Google search uh, harms of porn or masturbation, they list mm-hmm. anecdotal harms mm-hmm. like nofap. Anecdotally, nofap mm-hmm. is beneficial, and then they give benefit, and then they always list the benefits of masturbation, which are like slight benefits, like maybe you'll relax and all these things. And at the very bottom, there's this huge disclaimer. <laughs> this is. If you experience any of these compulsive behaviors, seek medical attention or professional help. And it's like all the things like lose loss of focus, loss of time, energy. You keep going back to the habit. You feel guilt and remorse after. It's like (laughs) the vast majority. I I shake my head because that is there's like very few things that like throw me off my mission and like make me go onto another path. That is one of them. And actually, (laughs) I've reached out to a few people who've made YouTube videos that have done the same thing, benefits of masturbation. I'm like, how can you as a professional make this video where it's 10 minutes of the benefits of masturbation? And then at the end, in a whisper, you say, if you struggle with masturbation, you should get help. I'm like, anybody who's doing it basically is struggling with it. Not not everybody. And I will say it's like alcohol, like sort of, it's worse than alcohol, but like the idea is you know, if you keep drinking and then you keep drinking more and then you keep drinking more, you go from use to misuse 
to abuse, to dependency, to compulsion, to addiction. And, and that happens for many people for the same reasons, but, you know, porn goes deeper in terms of dependency. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if you're, if you're going in that direction, if you're at compulsion, you're already way down that continuum. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more of a spectrum than a, am I addicted or am I not? Right. It is. And, and it's difficult. Again, it's difficult for people to know. I tell people try most people I work with, they watch porn at least once a week. Science shows that most men watch porn at least once a week, usually more two, three. So I'll tell people don't watch porn for a week. It's insane. Like, like we're the few people who are talking about this, you know what I'm saying? And, and talking about it with our kids and with our spouses. And it's mm-hmm. like, we're all, it's like everyone's walking around the earth with, with a disease yep. and everyone's just like, no, did you ever, about did you ever see Incredibles too? Yeah. So Incredibles true. Oh, sorry. Series. Uh, oh, she's looking up Incredibles two for me. Um, and Incredibles two is the screen slaver. You know, like the glasses that they put on and the screen slavers running everybody. I think of porn as the screen slaver because like people go into porn, it makes them feel good. They have absolutely no idea that it's creating, I call it an AB effect. When you go into porn, you get that dopamine deluge, I call it flood, but it creates a dopamine deficit in your life. That's the B. So people are walking around stressed out, lacking focus, lacking motivation, not feeling on purpose, not rocking out their best lives. And they have no idea why they don't get it's the screen mm-hmm. that's creating, you know, a dependency is you're a slave to that screen. You don't want to be a slave to, to needing porn to feel good for a little while, but feel worse for all the other time you're in the world. And that's what is making it. That's what it's making happen. Yeah. And <laughs> I really want to get into some, some hacks, some tips we can give, sure. I guess, brain hacks, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, it starts with a mindset. I think we'll, we'll agree that if you don't have the right mindset to quit porn and motivation, then the hacks don't work because you won't do it. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to a true addict, they'll, they'll pretend to, to do the, the most amount of work that they think is required, but not do the things that are needed because they secretly mm-hmm. have an agenda to keep the habit, right? So without the mindset and the motivation, none of this stuff works. Um, so that's, I know what on our, in our channels, we talk a lot about in our programs, et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. so let's go in that direction of like, how do we help people? But I want to ask you some, some questions about YouTube first, sure. because sure. this is, this is my selfish. Cause I'm, I'm pretty new in YouTube. I've been doing this for a few months, I, but I've been doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I've been doing uh, porn, porn specialty and mentoring for over 10 years now. Right. And it's not until recently that I kind of opened up, uh, you know, my, my mentorship to the public through, through mm-hmm. social media and TikTok and et cetera. So mm-hmm. my question for you is I really admire you because you are super consistent and you with good content and you have a diehard fan base. Like if you read the comments in your YouTube, it's like, they're always like, God bless this woman. Like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, so like ex- except there's, there's, you have to, it's not for the faint of heart. Cause when you go on there, there's uh, people who are like, uh, but yes, mostly it's amazing. Mostly, it's really, mostly it's like, God bless this woman. We need to protect this woman from yeah, the world. Like she's a gem. Amazing? We need this a gem, you know, that kind of awesome community. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, I'm pretty envious about it. Um, yeah. But let me ask you, what's your secret to growing that audience that you have? Well, I think the secret is just authenticity. Like I have no agenda. I had no program when I started that YouTube channel. Mm. I, I just was bothered by the state of affairs and I 
I have like this loungy area over there. I literally sat over there going like, I felt that I wanted to make the video. <laughs> I'm like, do, really? you know, like, do I do this? Like, and I'm like, I'm doing it. It's two. Mm-hmm. The first minute, the first video is two minutes and 49 seconds. And it like barely says anything. And, but so I think my emotion is in those videos and like, I really feel for men who struggle with this. I don't come to this with judgment. I come with pure compassion. And I literally felt like when I made the video that I was, I felt like I was like the only one on the earth who understood all of the mechanisms. There's so many of them. It runs so deep Mm. and we can talk about this. This is not a shallow issue. This is a deep issue. And Mm. I'm like, nobody knows about this. So when I make the videos, like they're really from my heart and I really just want people to succeed. So after the channel kind of took off, you know, I'm like, I, plus the channel is like not that organized. Cause I didn't do it intentionally to create a program online for people. So I'm like, I, I need to put this into a program. And then the coolest thing happened. And I know it sounds cheesy, but like I dedicated a week to try to put together a program and like it fell into place with everything that I had learned over the last 25 years. Mm. I seriously was feeling like everything was just going in. And I was so psyched with the program when I got done, I made like a 35 page outline. So then actually someone said it to me the other day in a meeting, they're like, your program is like a course with like a professor. And that's what I've been. I've been a professor for a long time. And, you know, I move people through a process from start to finish, but then YouTube's like the lending library. It's like the free library where you can go get all the other resources. Mm -hmm. Then I go on every week and I respond to comments and it gets harder the more comments there are, but I answer people's questions myself. Mm -hmm. And I just go whenever, actually I have a little schedule that I go on and I'm like, I just try to give people the love that they need, but the answers that they need too. Yeah. So in a nutshell, being authentic means doing what you care about, not just for money or fame or anything like that. Do what you care about. And number two, the thing that seems like worked for you is you just did it, right? You just, yeah. even if it was two minutes and you're disorganized, you just went ahead and did it. Imperfect action. I call it imperfect action. And of course, like I cringe when I look at a lot of the videos because I wish they were beautifully edited in that. But I'm like, you know what? I have five kids. I have a couple businesses. I have multiple businesses. Like this is all I can do. This is all I can show up on YouTube and it's being received. So like they're not perfectly edited, but they have the content. The videos have the content that people need. Yeah. And people need to hear like, this is not okay. Watching porn is not okay. I know, you know, it's not okay, but it's harming you. And I don't want you to live a life like that because it will catch up with you. So here's some brain tip strategies to back yourself out of this because another thing people don't understand is when they decide they're going to quit. That's not easy. It's not an easy thing mm-hmm. for people. That's why they need coaches. They need programs. That's why I made the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another, another aspect that uh, is succeeding for you is that you, your channel grew really fast, like mm-hmm. to YouTube standards fast mm-hmm. for something that is really touchy and, and like, what would you contribute that to? <laughs> I think the same thing that people are looking for help, but they don't know where to go. And they, and it's funny because people tell me to, you know, I talk to a lot of people now when people join my 90 day program, I meet with them. We have a 15 minute meeting. And so I know everybody's story so I can help them through. 
So it's a digital program, but I do help people. So, you know, people tell me, and like one guy told me two weeks ago, and if he's listening, Hey, (laughs) but he's like, uh, he goes, you know, I was looking for help. He's like, I didn't really fully think I had a problem till I saw your videos. And then he's like, you know, I really wanted your help, but I didn't want to work with a woman. And Mm. he's like, but then I realized this woman knows what she's talking about. So like, you know, I really do have the tools to help people. I think people know that. And so they want the tools bad. So then when I keep delivering with actual, and I use something called integration theory and being a professor, I know this integration theory means that you teach people the how and the why, the why first, this is why, this is what's going on with you. This is why you need to back this thing out. And this is how, here is a brain tip strategy. Go do this. Mm. So when I do that in all the videos, I'm not just like conceptually telling people, I'm actually telling them, this is why, this is how you're going to do it. Now go do it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's really insightful. I really appreciate hearing your story. And I think your audience and really does too. Um, Yeah. And you want me to tell you something cool? My YouTube plaque for 100K subscribers comes tomorrow. Tomorrow. Look at that. (laughs) That's super fun, right? And you're already at like 105 as of right now. Yeah, isn't that, that isn't that really cool? So does that like tomorrow. make you feel like what does that make you feel? So it really makes me feel like, and we can talk about energy. It doesn't even make me feel proud because pride is actually a negative energy. It mm. makes me feel like because I, you know, my ego had fear of showing up and making these videos, but then building that community makes me feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do. And part of my journey, part of my ego journey is I never felt like I was where I was supposed to be. And, you know, without the details, we moved homes lots of times with lots of little kids. I never felt at home. I never felt at home in any of my jobs and they were all fantastic and they all made me a lot of money, but I never felt like anchored into it. And then when this hit, it's like, it's like, I'm home. Mm. And so then for it to be received and for, so it really is like validating what I want other people to feel. Like, I feel like I'm on purpose in a new way than ever before and helping people in a new way. And that's what I want people to have. So Mm. it's like joy. It's pure joy. Joy is the, joy is the best energy you can get to joy doesn't require dopamine hits it's mm. it's like pure serotonin it's long lasting it lingers around and it and it helps you just be in the present and be happy and at peace and feel calm and feel yeah. it's cool no I, I i i like to call it a calling for me like a mission mm-hmm. for my in my experience i i started watching porn when i was a teenager like most people mm-hmm. and i guess what's interesting about my situation is i grew up in a faith-based family and home. And it's, it's, a, it's a very dissonant kind of feeling to have a value that you cherish personally and you live up to and have a deep, dark secret that is totally un, out of integrity. And this mm-hmm. is deep, dark shadow. And I know a lot of people resonate with that too, especially people that I, I work with in, in mentorship. And so totally. I, when I was 16 years old, that's when I got super serious about beating porn and masturbation. And I did abstain for three years. And I thought I like mm-hmm. totally beat this thing. And I was really serious about preparing to be in a relationship, preparing to be you know, a man uh, and to be a husband and to be a father one day. And then 
So I felt really good about it. And at, at that time, I, I decided to start reaching out to people like my, my brothers and people in my life to actually see how it can help them also achieve this, this victory over porn, because I know how, how much like confidence it zaps from your life. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then after three years of being clean, you know, uh, found my wife, we got married. And, and then what was really saddening is that very quickly after we were married, I had a strong relapse. Mm-hmm. which is really, really common actually for people mm-hmm. to have. And yep. I went back to porn and of course I felt totally destroyed that this mm-hmm. happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't tell her for a while, but at the same time, I was still mentoring people and helping people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is porn thing. What do you attribute that to the relapse? Do you know? Relapse? Mm-hmm. I, I think I really put my guard down. I really put my guard down. I really thought, oh, I'm clean. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm perfect. The ego took over. Mm-hmm. And and then I very quickly relapse, you know, because it's a very slippery slope. Like, mm-hmm. like I teach our guys is it's, you're trying to maintain your footing at the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. It's a slippery slope. And if you don't maintain your footing, you're going to slide in the ditch and relapse, but it's totally. up to you to decide if you get up and how you get up, or you're just going to slide all the way back down. And that's right. what I let myself do because of the guilt and shame that was associated with it. I spiraled and I just felt like I can't do that. And I didn't let it just be like a one-time slip and then move on. It couldn't just keep climbing the mountain. And then of course it, it just escalated. And then to the point where I really had to get serious again, get that motivation back. But it wasn't until I realized, and this is what I fundamentally teach, teach is that you can't get to that place of being intensely serious about being porn until you understand how much porn is taking away from you. Mm-hmm. Until you get that, you will always keep porn as a benefit, as a crutch, because the, because in your mind, the benefit of keeping the porn with you outweighs the negative impacts, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm but your brain thinks that Does that makes sense. It does. Totally. Right. So, so <laughs> when I understood like porn is taking away my, my life and I can't fully be present with my wife, I can't love my wife, can't love my kids because mm-hmm. of this dark secret in my life. And I'm living out of integrity with my beliefs. So when I really got understood that, and it like brought me to tears and like, I got to do something about this. And that was really like the catalyst that made me really change and really get serious about this. So it's been, you know, incredible, you know, six, seven years since then, since, you know, last yeah. slipping up, but but so my journey is like, now I, I get what it's like to be a young man and to be a husband, uh, mm-hmm. to have a, bring a porn habit into a relationship and really understand like what that does to you and how distraught you feel from, from that experience. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have two things to share about that. Yeah, if it's please. okay. Is that number one is that energetically, you know, from your brain, when I talk about energy, I'm talking about the brain performance pattern that your brain uses. And then, then it has emotional correlates that come off and changes your state, depending upon how your brain is performing. Shame is the lowest energy. And there's a book, I always talk about it. It's called power versus force by David Hawkins, Dr. David Hawkins. I don't know if you've heard about it, but he talks about shame as being the lowest emotional correlate of energy. And it resonates really low. And that's what sucks you back into this hole. But basically, it's the opposite of integrity. And that's why guilt can be powerful. Guilt's one, it's only one notch up from shame, but guilt changes it from I'm a bad person to I've done a thing I don't want to. And I can take control of that and take some action steps and move forward. And then as you keep moving forward, the goal and the way I talk about it is you have to create this foundation that keeps you in integrity because integrity is the opposite. Dignity is the opposite of guilt. Integrity is the opposite of shame. So as you make the journey, you get into integrity and you figure out 
what you need to do to stay in integrity. But then like when it comes to slips or relapses, the interesting thing that you kind of just articulated is that neurologically, if you slip up, your brain basically takes you on that ride down the slippery slope, the chaser effect, they call it. And it has mechanisms that like, if you allow your brain to get that dopamine drip, then you get that dopamine deluge, it will keep going because dopamine is the pleasure seeking neurochemical. So then once you get it rolling again, full force at these high, high levels, what happens is it's insatiable. So until you kind of exhaust the cycle and you're, you're back down, I call it the change point. This whole thing operates on a cycle. But the reason that people have slips and relapses, that's why I wanted to know what you attributed to. And you, once you build the foundation, you can keep it. But slips and relapses are because a piece of the puzzle wasn't put into place. And this is what I'm saying is that this thing is so involved for so many people that what I do is I try to teach people what all the pieces are so they figure out which the important ones are for them. Then you have to actually do the work to be able to resolve each of the pieces. And so the way I talk about it, it's past, present, and future. And the past is you go, you have to go back in the past. You only have to stay there as long as you need to, but you have to look at traumas, big T and little t traumas, dysfunction, neglect. Um, I look at personality types so that you know what your basic desires and fears are. You look at those experiences and kind of look at your programming, how you've been programmed by your, your family and your environment, but how you've also programmed yourself in your reactions and using porn is one of those. Then when in the present, you look at your routines and your habits, you look at your thoughts you look, you realize you're probably not feeling negative emotions because if you're numbing out, you're not allowing negative emotions to be processed and integrated. And then when it comes to the future, being able to set goals, but it's not so simple as like, I'm going to set some goals. You have to figure out who your true self is, not the ego and set goals that keep you on purpose. And it's, you know, not the, the easiest process. But once you figure out those pieces and you move through, in the end, you end up with the foundation that is strong. And all you got to do is keep all those pieces in place because you've explored and resolved them all. Yeah. Got it. It's like a giant puzzle. That we're putting it is. Together. It's a giant puzzle. And if you know how to put it together mm-hmm. and, you know, that's why I like people to know, you know, when it comes like to go back to your idea of mindset, like what's the mindset we can give people? The biggest mindset set shift I think we can help people understand is that this is a journey. It's a process. It's not an event. It takes time for you to shift from ego to self. It takes time to unwire your brain, rewire it into hardwire in these new neural pathways. And that's why programs tend to be, you know, 90 days because 90 days gives you a really nice start to be able to do that. It's not a thing you can do on willpower alone. You can't go, you know, when people on my channel will say, wish me luck, boys, here I go. I'll type in, change something, change something now, anything, (laughs) figure out what you need to change and change it because you have to change things to get a different outcome. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, the, the NoFap community, I love them to death, but I know a lot of them are listening to this. What are your comments about, (laughs) you know, I'm going with people that like, 
you know, like the comments are like, oh, I'm on day this, or I relapsed. I'm start, you know, I'm, I'm resetting mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge misconception that people have. Like you said, just willing yourself through is the way to victory. But yep. what is like, what do you say? To that? Yeah. So what I tell people is slips can be really, really powerful if you learn from them. But mm-hmm. if you keep slipping, you're not learning. So like an analogy I use is that we are cutting new neural pathways. So you're used to taking the pathway that's all smooth because you've been taking it for 10, 15, 20 years. You're going into the screen for dopamine and you know, it's easy, easy peasy. But now when you start taking a new pathway, there's going to be some rocks on it. So if you trip over a rock, that's a slip, but you have to go, why did I trip over that rock? What led me right to that rock to fall over it? And if you dissect every slip early on, if you have any, and you, know, you only have slips if you haven't figured out the pieces to the puzzle. If you anchor in and you figure out the pieces to the puzzle, there are no slips. So a misconception is there has to be slips. There does not. There does not have to be slips. Right. But if you keep falling over rock after rock, you can't see those rocks and go around them. Then, then you're not learning no. what's making you fall over the rocks. Right. So and that's what I write to people. On when I mm-hmm. am writing in the comments, I'm like, if you keep, you know, they'll be like, I keep slipping. If you keep slipping, you haven't changed the thing that needs to be changed. You're missing something. There seems to be like a certain graduation or milestone that people get to where they have that mind shift change of mm-hmm. just counting the days until mm-hmm. their next, essentially until their next slip up versus that. And there are, there's a lot of things that distinguish this. I like to explain it like there's abstaining from porn and there's recovering from porn. They're very mm-hmm. different. Abstaining is like you're saying, just every slip is a failure and recovery is every slip is a learning opportunity, mm-hmm. not to spiral, not to relapse. And so I think the way that I present it, and I, I think is that the misconception is that if you just will yourself through no fap or beating porn, you're not actually recovering and you're just abstaining because mm-hmm. you're just going to go back to the habit because you haven't replaced and you haven't actually recovered and healed. You haven't addressed the reason that you use cause you know, psychologically or neurochemically, and you're just going to eventually go back to it because that's what you've, you've developed in your life. Yeah. A hundred percent. So if you just think about the shift from ego to self, and actually I'm in the midst of writing the book that I've always been wanting to write on this. And I, and I've used it in my videos before where I talk about, actually, I thought about it. Nobody even knows what this is probably in today's day and age, but I talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and it's from the novella. I think it's from like 1858, the story of Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll is the doctor who presents himself. Mr. Hyde is, you know, he insatiably harms women, basically, you know, and he's he's ravenous and he's. So anyways, you know, if you think of Mr. Hyde as the ego and Dr. Jekyll actually is another form of ego, but Mr. Hyde's the ego. And then we're moving towards our true self who's on purpose. That transformation, you, you start out as a hundred percent ego. You're a hundred percent the person who goes and watches porn, even if it's, you know, infrequently. Then in this journey, when you decide, okay, I'm going to leave porn behind, you start implementing strategies and tools and techniques. So then you're like 90 ego, 10 self, and you're starting to feel a little better. There's pockets of like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling focused. Then what you're talking about is that threshold, like 50, 50, your 50 ego and your 50 self. And this becomes really confusing for people because the ego has served them. So like you said, there's a loss. It's like, this has been with me my whole life. Like this has served my nervous system. That's, uh, that's real. So like, unless you find new ways to regulate your mood and offset stress, figure Mm. out the stress in your life, figure out 
the shame from your past, you'll be stuck in this 50-50. And so like when it comes to commitment, it's very difficult for an ego to commit to a porn recovery journey. Mm -hmm. But along the way, that's when the person is transcending ego and moving into being the best version of themselves. And they're like, yeah, I get it. I don't need this. I, I don't need willpower because guess what? Transformation is the journey of humanity. Like that's what we're here. And that's why I say to people, like when you get to a point when you don't want to stop working on yourself, you've crossed that threshold. And that's the point where like, you know, I was talking to a guy yesterday where he still has pictures of very unhealthy ex that he met in a very unhealthy way. I'm like, dude, you got to get rid of the pictures. Are you ready to do that? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, keep moving my friend. Cause you'll get to a point where you will want to get rid of those pictures. Cause you realize you just keep in the bridge backwards, but he's not at that 50, 50. He just joined the program not long ago. Yeah. And it was one of those first meetings. So then when you get up to, you know, 90% yourself, like you realize like, I, this is what I'm here to do. Like, so in my program, what I try to teach people to do is to set up a lifestyle of optimal performance and optimal performance is different than peak performance. Optimal means I'm always trying to be the best version of myself. Peak performance is like, I can run a sprint, you know, the hundred yard dash and do well, where, you know, optimal performance is more like a marathon of life. You're always trying to keep yourself in a good in good form. Yeah. That's something that I, I resonate a lot with personally that I teach as well is that when you get that, when you cross that threshold and you understand the impact of porn and the loss that you mentioned, then you will want to do the things that you need to do to beat it, but you've been avoiding. And there are so many things like we can ask our listeners right now, like, what is the one thing you know would be helpful for you, but you've been avoiding doing it because why essentially you've developed a need for porn and you know that if you did that thing, it would mean that you had to give up porn. Yep. For example, getting software like that's that will obviously reduce your need and, and ability to access porn. <laughs> telling somebody like a spouse mm-hmm. or telling anybody about yep. your porn habit mm-hmm. or joining a program. Like these are all examples that if you if you understood how much porn is taking from you, you would want to do them because you would understand the benefits of not having porn completely, totally outweigh the benefits of keeping it with you anymore. Yep. And so then like in the porn cycle, there's really only one point in a porn habit cycle where like basically a person's able to do that. And that's what I call the change point. And the change point comes after someone's acted out and they're feeling guilty, but shame hasn't set back in and they are more their true self. So that's the point in the cycle where they're like, I'm so sick of doing this. I don't want this in my life anymore. So what I would encourage people to do is in those moments, when you feel that way, capitalize, reach out to people, tell your spouse. Then when you think to yourself, I should tell her, do it because you will keep moving through the cycle. And, you know, we don't know how long you'll be in it again until you hit that change point again. Mm-hmm. And so like people sign up for my program, then they'll be like, oh, never mind, I don't want to do it. And I will be like, you need to stay here because you just, you're just moving back in through the cycle. Don't go anywhere. Stay here with me. We can do this together. And then as people move through it, then they change. Got it. One, I want to touch one last hack idea sure. thing. You mentioned mm-hmm. stress earlier. And I know that you teach in some of your videos, you mentioned the, the most common stressors for porn slip ups mm-hmm. is stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And this is a common question that I get in, in our groups as well, is people <clears throat> try to identify healthy forms of stress relief because a mm-hmm. hundred years ago, even 50 years ago, we didn't have access to this devices, porn. Mm-hmm. So it's a very new thing that we're flooding our system with to basically see more nude women in one minute than, mm-hmm. than we've ever been able to have access to in our entire right. lifetime. Right. So yeah. what are some, my question is, it seems like stress relief is like the key. It's like figuring out how to productively uh, relieve stress without going back to old habits. Mm-hmm. What are some healthy forms or hacks for people to deal with uh, conflict yep. in family, school, work, stress, boredom, yep. anything like 100, that? 100%. So first of all, I want people to know that porn is creating a lot of your stress. You just don't know it because of that yes. AB effect. So like if you can put up a defensive mechanism and stay out of the screen, you could do nothing else and your stress is going to go down by 50%. You know, I'm making the number up 50%, but it'll go down drastically, like, you know, a lot because it's being created by that dopamine deficit. So like you can just look forward to less stress if you stay out of the screen, but we know again that it's being used for mood regulation. So like going back to your point of sitting in front of a screen and getting the super normal stimulus, we've never moved our bodies less in humanity ever. So like the number one thing you can do is go move your body in a way that's fun for you exercise, but you know, exercise that's meaningful for you is the best because that's going to hit all the, all the points that I want people to hit. So in my program, not to keep talking about, but you know, the way that I want people to, approach this is I have people set up an executive function project, I call it, because the frontal lobe needs to be fired up again, because watching porn decreases activity in the frontal lobe of the brain, and it fries the reward center. So basically what happens is the brain doesn't know how to go into the world anymore and take these small steps towards a big project. So I ask people or I encourage them to set up a project that basically uses their mind, their body, and their true self, something that was really cool to them, and to make sure they're moving while they do that. And so if you move and you use your mind and you care about it, that is going to create serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin connection. And movement's really, really important. In nature, nature resonates. If Go hug a tree. You know, if you go for a hike. It's called the Schumann's resonance. It resonates at 9.63 Hertz. So when I talk about energy, what I mean is what frequency energy is resonating at. And basically like 10 to 15 Hertz is perfectly medium speed to feel calm and focused. So if you go into the screen and watch porn, you're jacking your brain up at like 40 Hertz. You're wiring it 50, 60, even more. You're wiring your brain and then you're fatiguing it. And so you're tiring it. It's going down to three Hertz. That's why you feel all numbed out and you can go to sleep. So when you get out in nature, you're bringing your brain back to 10 Hertz and screens resonate at 60 Hertz. So like the number one hack a person could do is find a consistent way to go out into nature in the world to do something fun and engaging that they care about. So like my husband golfs twice a week, absolutely loves it. You know, it takes him forever. He's with his buddies. Uh, I have stand up paddle boards. We live right by Jordan Lake, so I can be on the lake in 10 minutes. And so I throw him in the back of my truck, cruise on over, and I always bring somebody. Then I'm on the middle of Jordan Lake, like 10 hertz, sweet spot. Got it. So the hack is doing something that moves your body 
moves your brain, moves your true self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a natural form of stress relief. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I resonate with that's exactly very much what, what I uh, teach as well. So. Yeah. And and if you ask the guys that you help say, what's your favorite hobby? This is a good one. I do this all the time. What's Mm -hmm. your favorite hobby? I like to play pool. I love to play darts. I like to play cards. Uh, You know, I ride bikes. When's the last time you did that? 17 years ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like if you love to do that thing, why is it not in your schedule? One guy I'm working with, he's like, I love to play hockey. So you know what he did? He started a hockey league with his buddies one night a week. And he's like, it's the best hour of my week. I'm like, dude, then do it three times a week. Yeah. And you know, and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it going on another night. Yeah, gotta do that more than watch porn, right? That's yeah, exactly. And least. then <laughs> and then that's what I'll say. They'll be like, I don't have time to do that. I'm yeah. like, if you had time to watch porn four times last week, you have time to figure this out. <laughs> it's like it's almost like a it's almost like the reason that people develop a porn addiction is because of a lack of these things as well. It is. That's right? People people often think like, oh, because I'm in this program, I have to do these things every day, like connect with someone, call someone or do something that I enjoy or exercise. But it's like, no, actually the opposite is true. You developed a porn habit because you don't have those things in your life. That's absolutely right. right? And so I ask people to flexibly schedule their life. Don't overdo it. Cause I'm sure you've had this too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. guys will join my program and they'll go so gung ho and I've done it myself. You know, I'm super gung ho on something. And then two weeks later, I'm burnt out and I can't handle one more second yeah. of that thing. So it has to have sustainability. That's what the hardwire piece is. You have to create this lifestyle that feels good. So like I, my schedule is to go to Jordan Lake on Wednesday afternoons. First of all, there's nobody there. Cause I've gotten, unfortunately, I've gotten caught in the middle of the lake on 4th of July, not expecting all those boats. To... <laughs> so like Wednesday afternoon. So I don't, I didn't make a schedule where I say to myself, I'm going to go paddle boarding seven times a week. Cause that's a recipe for failure. Neuroscience shows us when we set up a recipe for success that we can actually do, our brain will continue to want to go towards that natural reward. So when I say I'm going to go paddle boarding one time a week, and then I do it. I'm a success. I'm the girl who says she's, who does what she says she's going to do. I'm in integrity. Mm. In integrity. Mm-hmm. Great. So wrap us up. Anything you want to conclude with? Um, I don't know. What, uh, what did we miss? Did we miss anything important? I took some Covered notes. Let me, um, no, I think we, let me see. Oh, one thing I, I, Uh, One thing I I had two more things, if that's okay. One thing I wanted people to know is that just to reiterate it, we basically already said this, but this is a question where people ask me all the time, you know, but what about, you know, I just have a high sex drive, you know, that's why I watch porn. And so I want people to know porn use and masturbation is not about a sex drive. It's about your brain, not about your body actually. So that's why healing the brain pattern is the way to bring a hypersexual mode down to a healthy sexual mode. So two major pieces that people need to address in this is figuring out mood regulation, like you just talked about, stress, boredom, and then being able to create healthy sexuality. And this is a really dicey thing for people who've been watching porn for a long time. So like, what is healthy sexuality? It's different than addictive or compulsive sexuality. It's about the connection. It's supposed to be give and take and sharing of an experience. 
because also I'm sure you get this a lot too, is like, you know, porn's fine. Porn's easy. I don't have to deal with a partner. I know, but that's fake intimacy. That's not real intimacy. Mm. Real intimacy is a little bit more challenging than that, but the payoff is bigger. So when people realize like porn's not about sex and and you don't have an, you know, abnormally large sex drive, you're in a hypersexual mode. So also people have to like get used to the adjustment of that when they're coming back to a healthy sex mode. Like they're not thinking about sex all the time. They're not, you know, moving towards sex, but that's a good thing because their brain doesn't need it all the time. And one other hack in terms of habit replacement is there's a hack and a caveat. And I think this is a good thing for people to know because people are always like, how do I hack this? Like, what if I don't want to do a program? (laughs) So the Mm -hmm. caveat is you need to do a program or you really do need to work with someone if you're not able to do this yourself. But the hack is remember that porn and masturbation when they're coupled, it's a super normal stimulus. It cannot be found in nature. It's bigger amounts of dopamine than you can get in the world. So a hack is understanding that it's the highest supernormal stimulus and you can go down the continuum with your behaviors until you get yourself to a normal stimuli, but you really should leave sexual stimuli behind. And this is what I mean is that if you're watching porn, but you also like to play video games, stop watching porn, but realize video games are super normal stimulus. And I don't want you watching more of them or playing Mm -hmm. more of them, but it will offset the need of withdrawal symptoms and it'll offset like the need to go into the screen. So like if you're really trying to quit porn, you know, in keeping video games in your schedule in in a healthy way and recognizing don't ramp them up, but you know, you can play them. It's going to give your brain dopamine. TV is going to give your brain dopamine and those all involve screens. So it's, it's like just one one level down in terms of habit replacement, you know, getting out of the world is one thing, but you know, if you at the end of the night and you're like, I'm going to watch porn, I'm having urges, I'm, I'm having cravings, watching a TV show that hits that friction point of anxiety and like keeping you on the edge of your seat, it can give your brain a similar response without the sexual media aspect. TV can do that. Movies can do that. Um, you know, usually Social media is a very slippery slope. I wouldn't encourage that, but, you know, just recognizing then that you can kind of come down that super normal to normal stimuli and be able to like hack it in the right direction. It's cheating in the right direction is what I call it, but you usually can't do that unless you're doing the other stuff, the process that needs to be done to unwire, rewire and hardwire. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah. So much words of wisdom. Uh, sex is not porn. Porn is not sex. <laughs> that is people forget people, people literally like, especially, forget. <laughs> on, especially on TikTok. This is a common quite, uh, response. People say is yeah. I need porn and masturbation because I don't have a partner. Mm-hmm. And then I go, how is porn anything related to sex? If you think about it logically, porn is isolation. Sex is connect connection. They're actually polar opposites. They and somehow we've created this perfect storm of connecting something that is not sexual to the activated masturbating to it mm-hmm. and creating that hyper normal stimulation like mm-hmm. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's just created this perfect storm. And we've basically addicted ourselves to pixels on screen, nothing yeah. to do with sex. Yep. And it's so psychological, like the underpinnings for people. It's like they go into the screen for intimacy. That's why I said it before, like, because they're afraid of intimacy in the real world. 
Because to be with a partner, you have to become vulnerable and you have to allow yourself to be fully seen. To go into porn, you don't have to do that at all. So basically, like people are tricking their brains into thinking they're getting the same thing. But like you just said, they're missing out on uh, and on the best experience in terms of intimate physical connection that they can have. And we would probably be remiss if we got off without stating out explicitly that the reason that they will miss out is because porn causes erectile dysfunction. So more young people than ever can't be with a partner when they go to, because they've been watching so much porn. I so feel for the people that I work with that like they're ready to be with a partner, but they haven't left porn behind and they're not able to, and then they get social anxiety, they get performance anxiety, and it creates this downward spiral. So like when you come out of the screen, it's an upward spiral. It all starts to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate having you sharing this all with us. Uh, What's the best way that people can start getting to know you and your content? Yeah. So I have, I actually have two um, YouTube channels. One is Dr. Trish Lee. It's porn brain rewire. It has all um, porn brain, you know, getting recovery on it. And then I have another channel, which is brain mostly just brain performance, but there's hundreds of videos on my porn channel. So it's a really good resource for free. It's the free lending library. So you can start there. And then I do offer programs and I have small, medium and big digital programs that people can engage in by themselves in the big one. They get to meet with me and I offer group coaching and we offer individual coaching also. So being able to give people the support that they need. And, you know, a digital program is a great start. If you're out there and you are afraid to reach out to a person and to coach with them when you join the programs, um, except for, actually, I never reach out to you, but in the 90-day program, you reach out to me and we get connected. So you can join, you know, the, the power of porn is that it's accessible, anonymous, and it's affordable. And I've tried to make my programs the same. So it has the same power. It's accessible, it's affordable, and it's anonymous. We never have to talk if you don't want to, but I hope you want to, and I can help you. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I might, I might consider doing a digital program because you mentioned, I only do group, group mentoring, group coaching. Yeah. And uh, so I might consider doing that too. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, you know, what I want, like literally what I'm here for is I want as many people who are equipped and want to talk about this and help people to do that. And, you know, I think digital programs are a great way to do that because it gives people, you know, a way to be able to move through it. And, um, you know, I'd love for you and I to stay connected and I'm always happy to help you in anything you want, because there are far more people out there that need my, and your help than we could ever help is the reality. So billions. Yeah. Yep. So, so I think it's great. All right. Take care, everyone. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. All right.